continuing the series of the resurrection of the dead and within that series which is uh, the fifth out of the six foundational doctrines taught to us in the book of Hebrews chapters 1 and 6 um, chapters 1 and 2 should I say um, we are dealing now with Christ the first fruits we're having a look at uh, we've had a look at previously at uh, physical death and what physical death actually means for the saints um, and now we're looking at because the, the the doctrine is the resurrection of the dead we haven't looked at Christ the first fruits for he is the first to be have, have been raised from the dead and so we want to have a look at certain aspects in scripture giving us an account of his resurrection um, and from that we can then obviously extrapolate that out to see how it will impact upon the saints with regards to our resurrection when our turn comes to be raised from the dead. But Christ has been the first that had been raised from the dead. And we had a look at the scripture along the line of the fact that Christ is the first fruits. Um, and that is one of the, the feasts set in place under the old covenant is the feast of first, first fruits. And um, we've had a look at that scripture already in the previous teaching. Let me say that the Lord Jesus is the only man who has ever gone to hell, been committed to hell, been cast into hell, who has come out of hell. Uh, no other person has ever done that. And uh, he is the only one who has ever gone into hell and come out. Many have been cast into hell, but none have come out. And our Lord Jesus is the only one who was cast into hell and has come out. And because he has done that, we as sons of God, those who believe in that which Jesus has done for us on the cross and when he died for us, uh, will not have to incur that. And so he has redeemed us from that. Uh, not only has he has redeemed us from death, but he has redeemed us from the eternal punishment that each one of us deserved in that uh, we were alienated from God. And so each one of us deserved to be cast into hell for all eternity. But um, Christ has borne that sacrifice for us. Now I touched on the, the aspect of our Lord's um, time in hell pre, uh, in the previous teaching, but I didn't give any scripture along that line. So I just told that of the Lord to actually go revisit that particular aspect of our Lord's uh, death, burial and resurrection. Um, and just have a look at what the scriptures actually do say about that event. For that event um, was far more uh, powerful than we realize. That event was far more um, dramatic uh, than what we realize. Uh, we see the death of our Lord on the cross, and uh, we know and we believe that our Lord is risen. But uh, very not often is it taught to the church exactly what transpired when our Lord did die on the cross, as to what actually happened to him after. We know the scripture tells us for three days and three nights, he went into the, the heart of the earth and he paid for our sins and he was raised again. But we want to have a look at um, some scriptural accounts, actually what transpired from the time that our Lord did pass away on the, on the cross until such a time as he was raised from the dead. And the first scripture I want to just open up with regards to this uh, particular aspect of our Lord's resurrection is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. And I did uh, refer to the scripture in the previous teaching, but I never quoted it. So I just want to now quote it again, and then we'll comment on it again. Um, starting, it says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, 
the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And so we, I made the comment on the fact that Satan and his angels had no idea what was actually taking place at the time. Um, when our Lord Jesus uh, took upon himself the sin of the world, he died spiritually. Uh, a lot of people don't uh, quite understand that, but that's exactly what transpired. Our Lord had to be separated from God. He had to take upon himself the sin of the world, and God in him is no sin. And it is impossible for, for God to be in the presence of sin. And so when our Lord Jesus took upon himself the sin of the world, he died spiritually. His, his spirit died, and he was separated from God the Father. Um, remember when our Lord was on the cross, he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the reason for that was because Jesus had become sin, and his spirit had died. Now when that happened, Satan uh, in, the, in the spirit realm, his angels saw what transpired. His angels saw Jesus die spiritually. And so they assumed that Jesus had sinned, Jesus had transgressed. And because the Lord had transgressed, he had, his spirit had now died, and he was now under their authority. Um, the scripture talks about the fact that uh, in the book of Hebrews, uh, that the Lord has um, destroyed him who had the power of death. And so Satan used to have the power of death. Before our Lord went to the cross, and he was raised again. Satan had the power of death, and he had the keys of Hades and of death. And it was only after our Lord was raised from the dead in the book of in the book of Revelation that we see our Lord telling us he has now the keys of Hades and of death, because he has been raised from the dead. But before that uh, time, Satan had those keys, and he had full authority over death and over Hades. Not a, he didn't have authority as to who was cast into Hades. That was God. God the Father um, had authority as to who was cast into Hades. Remember our Lord said, whom to fear? He said, do not fear those who can kill the body, and after that there's nothing else they can do. But I tell you who you should fear. Fear the one who can kill the body and has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say you should fear him. Talking about God. And so God had the power to cast into hell. But God could not pull any, redeem anyone out of hell uh, because Satan had the keys to Hades and to death. And so uh, that was an authority given to him by God. We do not understand um, scripturally, the Bible is, is silent on this issue, how Satan actually did uh, acquire the power of death and how he acquired the, the keys to Hades and to death, for he did, he, he had them, they were his, and Jesus had to take them off of, of Satan. Um, but he did have that, our Lord did make the comment about Satan when he was on the earth, he said that he was a murderer from the beginning. And so at some point in time, um, Satan was a murderer, and he murdered. Um, we do not know who or how, but it seems that because death is an angel, the, when we look at death in the book of Revelation, uh, he's revealed to us as one who sits upon um, the pale horse, and uh, his name is Death, and Hades follows after him. And so he, he is an angel, a, a death, that is his name, um, but that angel fell under Satan's dominion uh, prior to our Lord being raised from the dead. 
And Jesus had to redeem um, that authority. Jesus had to take back that authority that Satan had. So when our Lord committed, um, when he took upon himself the sin of the world, he never committed any sin. Um, however, when he took upon himself the sin of the world, his spirit died because sin now entered into him. And Satan and his angels saw that event take place. They saw the transition. And so they, in their thinking, here is the Lord of glory, the Son of God, who has now committed sin. And he has now died. And now he is separated from God. And now he is under our control because he is now under the control of death. And, and Satan had the power of death. And so, in effect, Jesus was now under the power of Satan when he died on the cross. And as the scripture says to us, um, in verse 8, which none of the rulers of the age, talking about the wisdom of God, the hidden wisdom of God, uh, God had preordained all of this to happen. We know that. We know that God uh, sees the, the end from the beginning because God is God. And so he had preordained all of this to happen. Um, and all of this that was transpiring was so that our Lord could redeem us from the power of death, but also could take back that authority which Satan had. Um, and so God had preordained it, and Jesus uh, had come down to, to do the will of the Father, and he had submitted to the will of the Father in that he had allowed himself to be killed, not only physically, but spiritually. He laid down his life, and, and not too many people uh, recognize the fact that the Lord Jesus had to die in his spirit. He had to be separated from God. He had to take upon, he had to fall under the power of death. And the power, it's not, the, not physical death, that our Lord had to incur physical death, but our Lord had to incur spiritual death before he incurred physical death. Um, and it was the spiritual death that had the, the, the most um, uh, far-reaching uh, connotations to it and, and the far-reaching far implications to it. And so the scripture talks about the fact that when Satan and his angels crucified the Lord of glory, they assumed that now they had him. Uh, he, he was now under their control. Um, they did not understand, they had no insight into what God was actually doing. Um, and had they known, the scripture says, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. Because that was, and I think I mentioned it in the previous teaching, that was Satan's insurance policy. Uh, that he had the power of death and God couldn't touch him until God could uh, take away the power of death from him. Um, and so that was almost like the barrier that Satan had, that God would not transgress. For God is a, uh, is a God of order, and he, if he places um, a thrones in place, and he doesn't just remove. Uh, those thrones are in place, and those, that, that authority is in place, given by God. And Satan knew that. And so Satan uh, would not have crucified the Lord of glory because... He would then have been doing it, uh, committing suicide, so to speak. And so it was, it was hidden from them as to what God's intention actually was when our Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross and then fell under the power of death because he had died spiritually as well. So when our Lord died spiritually and he died on the cross, his spirit, when he, his spirit left his body, uh, the Bible talks about he gave up his spirit 
He surrendered His Spirit. His Spirit then descended into the lower parts of the earth, into the deepest pit of hell. Um, and He had no control over that. All people who die who do not know the Lord, um, when they die, their spirits descend into hell and they have no control over that. It's like a, a magnet just draws their spirits down into hell. And they would try and uh, resist it, but they, they have no ability to resist that. And they are then cast into hell for all eternity. And our Lord experienced the same thing. He, he was taken down. He had no control over this. He was now under the power of death, and he was taken down into the lower, lowest pit of hell. When our Lord was taken down into the lowest pit of hell, uh, and we mentioned it before in the series of teachings that hell has different levels to it, and the lowest pit is where the most uh, pain is felt, is not the right term, but that is where the, the greatest judgment is, is incurred. Um, and the, the greatest torment is incurred, is in the lowest pit of hell, and that is where our Lord was taken down. And the, the, the torment that's incurred down there is the torment of the wrath of Almighty God being poured out on the, the souls that are in hell. And so our Lord went down there and He had to incur the wrath of Almighty God for the sin of the world. He had to pay the price for the most grievous sins committed and all sins committed. And so He had to be taken to the lowest pit of hell and He had to incur the wrath of God on our behalf. Now don't forget, while our Lord is busy incurring the wrath of God on our behalf because of our sin, Satan and his angels are watching this because Satan now still has the power of death. He still has the keys to Hades. He still has the keys to death. And so Jesus is now, um, so to speak, he's incurring the wrath of God, but at the same time, he is under the power of his enemies, his sworn enemies, Satan. Um, and all of his angels are standing around. We do not understand uh, um, spiritually how that impacted on the Lord. But let's just have a look at a scripture that does give us a little bit of insight and helps us to understand just a little bit of what it is that our Lord actually uh, went through when he went down into the pit of the lowest pit of hell on, uh, when he died on the cross. And we look at that in Psalm 88, um, beginning at verse 4. And we're going to read a fair amount of scripture now, um, just so that we can see what the Bible actually teaches us along this subject. Um, and it's not an exhaustive teaching along the line, but we, we're looking at Christ the first fruits. He is the first to be raised from the dead. And so we're looking at his death, burial, and resurrection, and just how, what it is he actually went through for us on our behalf. And what he actually did for us, because it's not only that he paid the price for our sins, but there's another, there is the spiritual aspect with it as well, about the, the, the clash between the two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan, and, and that battle that actually took place in that time. And so Psalm 88 verse 4 says, I am counted, now this is our Lord Jesus giving us an account of what transpired in when he went down into hell. He says, I am counted with those who go down to the pit. I am like a man who has no strength, adrift among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, and who are cut off from your hand. You have laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, 
in the depths. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you have afflicted me with all your waves. And so here our Lord says he has no strength, and he's like a, he's adrift a, a, a among the dead. Remember, as we said, that those who die are without the Lord, when they leave their bodies, their spirits are drawn down like a magnet into, the, into hell, and they have no control over that. And our Lord had no control over his descent into hell. And it was God who actually laid, for our Lord says, um, you have laid me in the lowest pit. Because remember, our Lord said, uh, we need to fear him who not only has the power to kill, but also the power to cast into hell. And so God casts uh, the souls um, who die outside of the Lord into hell. He's the one that casts them there. Um, at that time again, now don't forget, we're talking about at the time when our Lord went down. Things have changed since our Lord's gone down. Um, but at that time, Satan had the power of hell, had the power of death. And so when our Father uh, cast Jesus into the lowest pit of hell um, to pay the price for our sin, he fell under the control and the power of Satan. And Satan and his angels could witness what was taking place to our, our Lord Jesus. Um, and, he, and our Lord says, whom you remember no more and who are cut off from your hand. And so all of those who are cast into hell are cut off from the memory of God. God remember, God the Father now remembers them no more. And so they are completely erased from his memory. Um, one of the scriptures talks about the fact that when our Lord, our, one of the reasons that our Lord lived and died and rose again was so that he could be Lord of both the living and the dead. Because God is not the God of the dead. God the Father is not the God of the dead. Remember our Lord Jesus when he was talking, uh, the Sadducees were trying to you know, test the Lord about the resurrection of the dead because they don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. And our Lord was saying, uh, in, in teaching them their error in, in, in their beliefs that there is no resurrection of the dead, he made the comment when he said, when God says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, that he is not the God, he is the God of the living, he is not the God of the dead. And so once a soul leaves their body who did not know the Lord in their lifetime, they are committed to hell, they are cast into hell by God, and they are forgotten by God. God, for God is not the God of the dead. That is not, um, it's a realm that he it cuts off from his, his consciousness, his, his memory. However, our Lord Jesus, when he died and rose again, the Bible says that he became, one of the reasons that he did that was so that he could become Lord of both the living and the dead. Prior to that, he was not the Lord of the dead. He was the Lord of the living, for God is the God of the, of the living. But our Lord was not the living of, uh, Lord of the dead. But since he, our Lord died and was raised again, he became Lord of the living and of the dead. And that's why our Lord Jesus can judge the living and the dead. And that is exactly what he will do on that day. And so uh, our Lord is, is he cast down into hell. He goes down as any other. He, for he says, I am like a man who has no strength, adrift among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave whom you remember no more, and are cut off from your hand. And so he has no control of this. He, he gets cast down into the lowest pit. When he's there, he, he incurs the wrath of Almighty God. Verse 7 says, Your wrath 
lies heavy upon me and you have afflicted me with all your waves. And so that is the, the wrath of God that is poured out for uh, the wrath of God is poured out in Hades upon the sons of disobedience. Um, they do not incur the wrath of God in this life. There is a, a measure from time to time that the, the Lord does pour out his wrath on the earth, but there's nothing at all in comparison to the wrath of God that they experience in Hades today. Um, and that is what our Lord experienced. But he experienced the fullness of the wrath of God. For he says, your wrath lies heavy upon me and you have afflicted me with all your waves. Not with some of your waves, but with all your waves. And so you know, we don't understand just what what pain and what uh, uh, tor torment our Lord went through in those three days and three nights when he was in the pit of, of the earth. Uh, the, 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 the prayer of uh, uh, Jonah when he was in the whale is in fact a, a prayer that our Lord uttered when he was in the pit of hell. Same, it's the same prayer. It's a prophetic prayer of what our Lord uttered when he was in the pit of hell. And you can read that and, and, and see kind of what it is that our Lord was going through. But again, we, you know, we do not understand. We see what our Lord went through on the earth when, uh, because you know, he, was, he was scourged. Um, and, you know, there's a, a false teaching out there that says you know, he received 39 stripes. Um, because in the, in, in the Old Testament, the Lord had said to the Jews, um, you, can, you, you will beat your, your fellow uh, when a judge finds somebody guilty. Uh, he will be beaten with no more than 40 stripes. Um, and so what the Jews did in order to not transgress God's commandment about not beating more than 40 stripes, they beat uh, people that were judged with 39 stripes because they just, they didn't, just in case they missed an account, they didn't want to go over that, 40, that number of 40. And so the Jews put in place 39 stripes. Um, and, so, and that's why Paul says five times I have received from the Jews uh, 39 stripes. Um, but our Lord Jesus, when he was scourged before he went to the cross, he was not scourged by the Jews. It was not the Jewish uh, leaders that put stripes on our Lord's back. It was the Romans who put stripes onto our Lord's back. And when they scourged a, a, a prisoner who was gained, about to be crucified and one whom they wanted to extract information, they would um, uh, uh, whip that particular person. And, you know, there's obviously uh, different, um, the kind of whip that was used, I, I don't want to go into that, but they would whip that person to within an inch of their lives. And so it was never 39 stripes that our Lord incurred when, before he went to the cross. It was stripes without number. Um, because there's, there's a comment that our Lord made in Psalm 119, which is a very profound statement. He says, they almost made an end of me on the earth. And our Lord went through such torture and such pain in his, in his um, being scourged before he gets crucified and in the pain that he incurs when he is crucified. Um, that physically, we're not talking about spiritually now, but physically he nearly didn't make it. For our Lord said they almost made an end of me on the earth, not under the earth, not, this is not when he's in hell, this is on the earth. And so yeah, we see the, the graphic accounts of what our Lord actually went through when he went to the cross, and it was absolutely horrific. 
and you, you, we really do need to understand this, that our Lord went to the cross as a man. He did not go to the cross uh, with supernatural power that, you know, he could you know, bring it on. Whatever you want to do to me, I can, I can take it. No, he went there as a man feeling exactly what any uh, natural uh, human would feel pain-wise if that, that uh, damage was done to their physical bodies. And so that's the, the, the kind of um, pain that the Lord took upon himself as a man, as, as purely as a man. And he goes to the cross and he dies and he, and, and he surrenders up his spirit. And so we do not then see what happens behind the scenes now after our Lord goes down into hell. And but in Psalm 88, we have a kind of a glimpse and insight of what actually transpired. Uh, but there's more. There's more scripture to it. But we don't. We don't have time to go through all the scripture uh, tonight on the, on this particular subject. But, and again, we have no idea. You know, um, just think about the rich man uh, who was tormented in that flame when he cried out to Abraham, uh, and asked, you know, can't Lazarus just tip, uh, dip his his finger in water and, and touch the the just the tip of my tongue because I'm tormented in this flame. And so that is a, the, the rich man. He was not in the lowest pit of hell, uh, and he was tormented in a flame. And so our Lord goes down into the lowest pit of hell, and he experiences uh, the, the judgment, the wrath of Almighty God for every sin ever committed by man and the most grievous sins committed by man. Uh, Jesus had to pay the price for it, and he had to incur the wrath of Almighty God while he was down there. Now, while that was all happening, Satan and his angels were watching this. And the scripture talks about that uh, there was almost a torment um, from Satan and his angels that our Lord was incurring at the same time. Because don't forget, this was now Satan's realm. Satan was, uh, had the power of death. And so he could walk in, in, in Hades and not be affected by the, the torment because this was uh, a realm given to him by God. And so he could go down there and he could watch the torment that our Lord Jesus was going through at that time. But there came a day, three days later, when God the Father had said, enough, you have now paid the price, you have now redeemed. For the scripture says, um, because of our offenses, he, he, he died because of our offenses, and he was raised because of our justification. So when the price had been met, when, God, when Jesus Christ our Lord had now incurred the full wrath of God the Father for all of the sin of mankind, God said, okay, it's done. You have paid the price. Now, this is when things change dramatically in the spirit realm. Up until this time, um, Satan and his angels remain in charge and are still um, oblivious as to what is actually going on. All right. They think that the Son of God is being punished for his sin, uh, but they do not understand that the Son of God is being punished for the sin of man. That is something that they do. They, 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 is hidden from their understanding. And so at the end of the three-day period, when our Lord Jesus has now finished paying the price for our sin, now things change. And this is where Satan and his angels now 
uh, their judgment now falls on them. And let's have a look at, there's uh, two accounts in scripture that we can look at which are quite graphic, uh, telling us as to what transpired at the end of our Lord's um, suffering in, in hell. This is at the end of the three-day period where our, and three nights where our Lord has been now uh, in, in the lowest pit of hell. And we'll read Psalm 18 first, and then we'll read Samuel, uh, 2 Samuel 22, which is almost an identical word-for-word account of the same thing, uh, where our Lord is talking about what transpired. Um, and I'm not going to read the whole passage of Scripture because it's quite a long, lengthy passage, but I'm going to bring out certain verses of Scripture. Um, and we'll, we'll pick it up from verse 13. And the Scripture says, The Lord thundered from heaven. And the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. He sent out his arrows and scattered the foe, lightnings in abundance, and he vanquished them. This is when our Lord Jesus was in the pit of hell, he was crying out to God. Um, he, and you, there are, there's a lot of scriptures, especially in the Psalms, where I, the, and I told you, if you go look at, at Jonah's prayer, that is a, a, one of the prayers that our Lord cries out to God from the pit of hell. When the time was up and God now said, okay, it's done, you paid the price. Now God the Father, who had until that time turned his back on his son and had forsaken him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, now God the Father is for the Son. Now, he, now it's Jesus is now being dealt with as the Son of God. For he has dealt with this, the Son of God, Jesus, the Son of Man, has dealt with the Son of Man. And that has now been done away with. For Jesus has now paid the price. And now God is looking upon his righteous Son once again. For now he's, he's seeing his Son who is completely righteous, for he who knew no sin was made to be sin, that we who knew, uh, may, might be made the righteousness of God. And so Jesus knew no sin. No, there's no sin up upon him. Our Lord, in, in, in many scriptures, he says to God the Father, try me according to my righteousness. Um, and so God now, he's now once again looking upon the son of his love, who is completely righteous, who has never committed any sin. And God is seeing his son, the one who's completely righteous, in the pit of hell. Under whose control? Under the control of him who had the power of death. Under Satan's control. And now God the Father is saying, what are you doing with my son in the pit of hell? And God is angry, and God is now um, going to pour out his wrath upon um, Satan and his angels. But he does it through his son. And this is such a, an amazing account. And so we see, let's go back to this, it says, The Lord thundered from heaven. This is God the Father has thundered from heaven. And the Most High uttered his voice, God the Father speaking. Uh, Jesus it, it, recounting God the, or God the Father is doing hailstones and coals of fire he sent out his arrows and scattered the foe lightnings in abundance and he vanquished them and then we move to verse 16 he sent from above this is god the father sending from above 
He took me, took Jesus. He drew me out of many waters. And so our Lord, our God the Father, is now raising Jesus our Lord from the dead. He delivered me, verse 17, from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They were too strong for our Lord Jesus as a man, for angels have greater power than men. Um, and the Bible talks about in the, for in, the, in the book of Hebrews and the Psalms that it says, for what is man that you regard him? You've made him a, a, for a little while lower than the angels. And so, and, and the scriptures in, in the book of Hebrews talk about that we see our Lord, for when he died, he was for a little while made lower than the angels. And so Satan and his angels had power over the Lord Jesus, the, 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 the Son of Man, for that little while. He was made lower than the angels, and they were too strong for him. For in his own um, strength as a man, he could not overcome them. And so what happens here, uh, verse 17, we'll read it again. He says, he delivered me from my strong enemy, talking about Satan and his angels, from those who hated me, again, talking about Satan and his angels, for they were too strong for me, talking about Satan and his angels. And then he says, uh, they confronted me in the day of my calamity. That's when our Lord was taken down into the lowest pits of, of the earth. But the Lord was my support. Verse 19. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. And so our Lord Jesus was now raised uh, from the dead. And God breathed into our Lord once again the spirit of life. And our Lord received now not only the power that he had before when he was a, a, a son of man on the earth, but now he received the power of God that he had, the glory that he had before he even came to the earth. And now verse 37. Now this is our Lord Jesus taking vengeance on Satan and his angels. Uh, for, for that little period of time, Jesus was subject to Satan and his angels. But now God has breathed in uh, the, the spirit of life into our Lord Jesus and raised him up. And now our Lord Jesus, empowered by God the Father, is now taking out his vengeance on Satan and his angels. Verse 37. This is now the Lord speaking. Lord Jesus, I have pursued my enemies, Satan and his angels. I'm putting that in there, but that's who he's talking about and overtaken them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. Remember the scripture tells us that Jesus has destroyed him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Till they were destroyed, he says, verse 38, I have wounded them so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet. Remember, our Lord tells us that uh, he's placed uh, um, very soon, Satan will be crushed under our feet. And they've fallen under our Lord's feet. Verse 39. For you, talking about the Father, have armed me with strength for the battle. And so it, it was a battle that took place in the lowest parts of the earth um, between our Lord and Satan and his angels. Um, but there was no match at this time. He says, for you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. And so it was Satan and his angels who had risen up against our, our Lord Jesus. Verse 40, you have also given me the necks of my enemies so that I destroyed those who hated me. And we see in, in the Old Covenant, um, I'm trying to think who it was. It was one of the... Uh, 
um, it was Joshua. Joshua, when they, they went into the, the promised lands, uh, land and they had defeated, uh, there were five kings, I think, that came in, five kings of uh, the, the, the tribes uh, who were the tri enemies of Israelite. Uh, they came against them and Joshua and his, and his army had completely defeated them. And these five kin kings had hidden themselves in, in the cave and they sealed up the cave and they, afterwards they brought out these, I, I think there were five kings, they brought them out and Joshua made all of his commanders come and walk up and place their feet on the back of the necks of these five kings before they slaughtered them. Um, as a display of having completely destroyed them and having completely uh, wiped them out as, as any kind of a threat to Israel. And this is exactly the picture that we see of our Lord Jesus and what our God, God our Father does. He says, you have also given me the necks of my enemies so that I destroyed those who hated me. So our Lord places his heel on the neck of Satan and his angels um, as they are uh, carrying down underneath him. Now look at this account here, verse 41. They cried out. This is now Satan and his angels. They cried out. Because don't forget, they were taken completely by surprise. They, this did not even enter their consciousness that this could possibly be happening. But now it was. That this, they had held illegally, and they only now realized it, the Son of God uh, in Hades and, and death. And they had been trying to destroy the Son of God. And, they, and now they realized the, the error of the way, but there was nothing they could do about it. They had already um, been trapped, so to speak, by God the Father already. Verse 41 says, They cried out, Satan and his angels, but there was none to save. Now listen to this. Even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. And so Satan and his angels even cried out to God the Father uh, for help because they had no defense against the, the Son of God. And so they cried out, and they cried out to God, and God didn't hear them, for obviously God was uh, empowering His Son to destroy them. And so it took them absolutely, completely by surprise. And then verse 42, the Lord says, Then I beat them as fine as the dust before the wind. I cast them out like dirt in the streets. That sounds very much like a scripture where in, in well, we'll just quickly go down in, two, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, talking about, and we see in the New Testament the account of what happened with our Lord. He said, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, them, triumphing over them in it. And that's what happened here. Then I beat them as fine as the dust before the wind, and I cast them out like dirt in the streets. And so that is how... Um, the whole of all uh, the spirit realm witnessed this event of our Lord Jesus taking vengeance upon Satan and his angels and putting his foot on the back of their necks and completely destroying them and beating them as fine as the dust before the wind and casting them out like dirt into the streets. And so, you know, treating them as, as absolute rubbish because he had now completely vanquished them and uh, he had completely destroyed them. And the whole of, of all of the spirit realm, I'm talking about uh, heaven, earth and under the earth, witness this event and understand what has happened, that Jesus Christ has completely destroyed Satan and his, his angels and he has completely destroyed their power. Uh, they have no power 
uh, at all against our Lord Jesus, for he has completely wiped them out. Let's have a look at uh, 2 Samuel chapter 22. Again, there's a lot of uh, scripture in this particular account given, and it's pretty much almost word for word the same um, account given to us in Psalm 18. And the reason is because it's really our Lord uh, giving us a graphic account of actually what transpired when he was raised from the dead in hell. For that is when our Lord gave him life again. That's when our Lord Jesus was born again. For he is the firstborn from the dead. Now, when, we, when the Bible says he's the firstborn from the dead, it's talking about spiritually being born. He is the firstborn, we're the second, third, fourth, uh, whatever millionth born from the dead. It's not talking about our, his resurrected body. The resurrected body has never been born from the dead. We put on our resurrected bodies. We are born again spiritually. And we're born from the dead when we are born again. And that's exactly what happened to our Lord. He was the, he's the first born from the dead. He was born spiritually. And so 2 Samuel 22 says, from verse 38, I have pursued my enemies and destroyed them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. And I have destroyed them and wounded them so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet. For you have armed me with strength for the battle. See, it's almost word for word Psalm 18. For you have subdued under me those who rose against me. You have also given me the necks of my enemies. We've spoken about that. So that I destroyed those who hated me. They looked... But there was none to save, even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. Then I beat them as fine as the dust of the earth. I trod them like the dirt in the streets, and I spread them out. And so that is an account of what transpired when our Lord Jesus was raised from the dead in the pit of hell. And that is when our Lord Jesus destroyed him who had the power of death. And that is when our Lord Jesus took from him the keys of Hades and of death. For Satan held those keys. They, they were his. And that's when our Lord took those keys off of him. And our Lord Jesus in the book of Revelations now holds the keys to Hades and to death. And he is the risen Lord. And he has completely destroyed Satan and his angels. And then we see in Colossians chapter 1 verse 18, the scripture says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn, from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. And so the, our Lord Jesus was raised from the dead. And there's another scripture that talks of, it, it, it also talking about the Lord when he was raised from the dead. Um, how God the Father had lit his lamp. And so once again, our Lord Jesus Christ, his spirit, was uh, set alight by God the Father. For that is what happens when we're born again. Our spirits are once again set alight by God the Father. For we are, God is the Father of lights. And uh, quite often in Scripture, our Lord refers to us as being lamps. And let your lamps so shine before men that they may see your good works uh, and glorify your Father in heaven. Because our spirit is meant to be a shining lamp. For it is. It is. Our spirits are light. And you recall when our Lord was uh, transfigured on the Mount of Glory, that uh, he he, his whole form changed and became glistening white. That's the, 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 the power of God that was shining through him. And that's the, that's the light of Almighty God shining through, in, through him. And so he is the firstborn from the dead. He was raised from the dead spiritually. When he was raised from the dead, because that was still all taking place in the spirit realm. 
down in the pit of hell. That was taking place in the spirit realm. It was only after that, after our Lord had placed his foot on the back of the necks of Satan and his angels and completely destroyed them and taken the keys of Hades and death off of Satan and had destroyed him, had the power of death. Then our Lord was raised and then our Lord only entered into his resurrected body. So all of that that we've read now, that scriptures, those scriptures pertain to what took place in the realm of the spirit, not when our Lord had his resurrected body. For it was only after that event that our Lord was then raised from hell and then entered into his uh, resurrected body and he received his resurrected body. So when the scripture says he's the firstborn from the dead, that's when he was born. He was born again under the earth in the pit of hell. Our Lord Jesus was the first one to be born again. And then we have Colossians chapter 2, uh, verse 13. The scripture says, And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, and having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. And so that is what that scripture is really referring to, when it says that our Lord, having disarmed principalities and powers, uh, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. It was in the pit of hell when our Lord actually did that. And so we saw that central to our faith is the fact that our Lord Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And we have to, and we believe that. We don't, we haven't seen our risen Lord. And we've gone through the eyewitness testimonies of those who have seen the risen Lord. But the scripture in, in Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so we believe it in our heart. We don't, we, we have no, no, 99.999% of the church have not seen the risen Lord, for we believe in our heart. And that is how we are saved, for we accept all of this by faith. It is, but it's central to the Christian faith. We have to believe that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and was raised from the dead. And then we saw Thomas's account. Remember our Lord said to Thomas, and we'll read it in John 20, 29, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And so here we see our Lord Jesus telling us that there is a blessing for us, the saints, who have not seen the risen Lord, but yet we have believed. And Peter kind of confirms it as well in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse uh, 6 to 9. He says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory in the re at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And so we do not see our risen Lord. We believe it. Um, and because we believe, we're born again, and we are filled with the Spirit of, of, of Almighty God. And so we've had a look at now what transpired with our, our Lord dying on the cross, going down into hell, suffering a, a, in hell for three days and three nights. At the end of that period, the, the spiritual battle that took place, and how our Lord actually did uh, disarm principalities and powers and make an open show of them. 
and triumph over them in it. Uh, and we saw how that has then transpired. Then our Lord was raised from the dead. He entered into his resurrected body and he ascended into, into heaven and he uh, offered up his, um, his blood as the perfect sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 9, beginning in verse 11 says, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. And so our Lord Jesus ascended into heaven and he presented his spotless blood before God the Father as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And that sacrifice was accepted by God. And we are therefore washed in the blood of the Lamb. And we um, are born again for those of us who believe in it. Prior to our Lord being raised from the dead um, and ascending to heaven to present his, his blood before the, the throne of God as the perfect sacrifice, he receives his resurrected body. And so we want to have a look at just what our Lord's resurrected body actually does look like, for it does point to us, uh, give us an indication of what our resurrected bodies are going to be like, because the Bible talks about the fact that we've partaken of the image of the him who was made of dust, talking about Adam, and we will be partakers of the image of him who is made from, or is my paraphrase, made from heaven, and that's talking about our Lord and his resurrected body. And so the first scripture I want to look at is in Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 36. And this is an account of our Lord appearing to the saints after he was raised from the dead. It says, Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened, and supposed they had seen a ghost. So the word says spirit, but they, they, were, they thought they saw a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of royal fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence. And so here is an account of our Lord appearing to his disciples. Now he'd spent a couple of years with them, and they knew him intimately for that period of time. Um, and now he appears to them after he's raised from the dead, which is, you know, three, three days later, three and a half days later, roughly, um, in, in time delay, he appears to them and they see him. When they see him, they recognize him. So, you know, Jesus doesn't appear in a form that is completely unrecognizable. They don't understand how he can be there um, because they, their minds can't grasp being raised from the dead. And so our Lord has to convince them that it is him. But he, he convinces them by letting them touch him, by letting them, and by eating in front of them. Um, so that's the way that he convinces the disciples. But they all recognize him because our Lord in his risen form looks just like he did before he went to the cross. He hasn't changed in his looks. Um, we'll have a look at other accounts in scripture as, as to how Lord's uh, resurrected body can and does change. But in this account um, and in other accounts of when our Lord appeared to the disciples, remember when he appeared on the, on the road to Emmaus with those two disciples, uh, he appeared as a normal man, 
but they didn't recognize him because the Bible says that he, he, he was hidden from the, uh, God had just kind of put the blinkers on. And it was only when our Lord broke bread that their eyes were open and they could recognize him. But when they recognized him, they recognized him as the Lord that they knew before he went to the cross. And so the, the point that I want to get across here is, is that in our resurrected bodies, we will look exactly as we do in our, our, our bodies now. Um, there's going to be no ch uh, change in our features. Our features will remain the same. These are God has, has, has created us to look like this, and this is the way we will look for all eternity. Now, there's going to be alterations, obviously. There's going to be no blemishes and things like that. Um, but nevertheless, the features remain the same. That is the way God has created us to look. And that's the way our Lord looked after he was raised from the dead. He didn't look like somebody completely different. And the disciples said, yeah, but who are you? You know, we understand that you might be somebody raised from the dead. But we don't recognize you. you know, we, we know what Jesus looked like, but we've never seen you before. Um, no, they recognized him. They couldn't grasp the fact that he was raised and he, he was standing in front of them. Um, but they did recognize him. And so that is one of the things we, we understand with our resurrected bodies, is that our resurrected, in our resurrected bodies, we will continue to look as we do now. Uh, we, the features that we have will not change. Then also in the Lord's resurrected body, he was able to just appear and disappear. And that's exactly how uh, the resurrected body can uh, operate. It goes between the spirit realm and the, and the natural, the physical realm, without, it just in a blink of an eye. That's how the resurrected body can move through material things, um, you know, and dematerialize and, and appear. Um, that's the power of the resurrected body. The resurrected body can also partake of food. And remember, and, and our Lord said, uh, a spirit has not flesh and bone such as you see I have. And so our, our resurrected bodies will not have any blood, as our Lord's body does not have any blood flowing through it. For we are the body of Christ. So we partake of exactly the same body that our Lord Jesus currently has. Our bodies will be like his body. And that's what the scripture teaches us, that that's the kind of body we're going to have. So when we look at our Lord's resurrected body, we can see an idea of what our resurrected bodies are going to look like and be able to behave like. And so the Lord could partake of physical food. So our resurrected bodies will be able to partake of physical food. A spirit can't do that, but a, a, the resurrected body can do it. There's going to be no digestive system in the, in the resurrected body. So it's not similar to the earthly body. Um, because Paul says, uh, food's for the body and the body for, is for food, but God will destroy both it and them. Talking about uh, food's for the stomach, sorry, he says. Food's for the stomach and the stomach for foods, but God will destroy both it, the stomach, and them, foods. And so indicating that we're not going to have a, a digestive system that we need in our resurrected bodies, a stomach that needs to then uh, partake of that food and, and break it down and, and send the nourishment. That's not how the resurrected body internally is made. For it has no blood flowing through veins. It has flesh and it does have bones. But it has no uh, blood flowing through veins. It doesn't have a stomach that needs to digest food. For as, jo as Paul shared with us, that God will destroy both it, the stomach, and foods. Talking about the, the natural body. Um, so, but it can still partake of foods. God, that's the, the, what the resurrected body can do. What happens to it, I have no idea. It just disappears. Um, God is able to do that. 
But let's have a look at another indication of what our Lord's resurrected body looks like today. And that is in Revelation chapter 1, beginning at verse 12. The scripture says, Then I turned, this is John's account, John the Apostle. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his um, right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me and saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. And so here we see a complete different picture of our resurrected Lord. This is not the same uh, picture that we saw when our Lord stood amongst the saints that evening uh, and said, You know, handle me, touch me. And give, if you guys got something here for me to eat. Uh, this is now... The resurrected Lord shown himself in the fullness of his glory. And John, the apostle, the one who uh, in the Last Supper um, laid back with his head on the Lord's chest and said, Lord, who is it? Um, when John, he, he sees our resurrected Lord in this form, because now, don't forget, the Lord had appeared to John on numerous occasions before this incident. But when John sees him as, as the resurrected Lord in this form, the Bible says, John says, I fell at his feet as dead. And so John faints because, you know, he just, he, he's seen God in his, in his full glory. And so that is another form that our Lord's resurrected body can take on um, as, 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 as he is now. But he, he, can you see how it changes? In this instance, this is how the Lord appeared to John. And when our Lord comes back to the earth, he comes back in this form. Um, if you look at the book of Revelation, when our Lord returns, he comes back in this uh, with eyes of fire and uh, his glory blazing. Um, but it's not always that our Lord walks around with that glory being displayed through him. He, he also walks around as he is. And if, if, no, not everybody, but most, most accounts in Scripture... Um, who have seen our resurrected Lord, have seen him as he was when he walked on the earth. And they recognized him and they were able to have breakfast with him and commune with him. But very few saw Jesus in this form. John saw him in this form. And our Lord appears in this form on certain occasions where the occasion calls for it. Then his glory is really made manifest. Um, and so the resurrected bodies... Uh, that we will receive from the Lord will also be able to, on, on certain occasions, look as we look now, obviously without any blemishes or anything like that, but then also look as our Lord Jesus looked on this occasion, and not with the fullness of the glory that the Lord had, but certain with, certainly with a degree of glory uh, shining through our resurrected bodies. And we will also, there's an account in Scripture where the Bible talks about an angel descending from heaven who had great authority. And because of the greatness of his authority, the Bible says that the whole earth was illuminated with his glory. 
And that's talking about an angel. And that's talking about the whole earth being illuminated by the glory of one angel. And it was because that particular angel had so much authority. And our Lord, when he returns to the earth, is obviously going to be given thrones of authority to his saints. And so we will be able, uh, as, as and when the time calls for it, through our resurrected bodies, be able to display the glory of God to that degree, but not obviously to the degree that our Lord had. But that gives you another aspect of what the Lord's resurrected body is like and what our resurrected bodies are going to be like as well, because our bodies will be the same as His. Now, have a look at another account in Scripture that also shows what our Lord looks like uh, in Scripture, uh, in His resurrected body. Revelation chapter 5, beginning in verse 6, the Scripture says, And I looked, and this is John speaking again, And behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And so here we see our Lord in the form of a lamb. And he's able to take upon himself the form of a lamb. Now, it's a lamb with a difference that we have no, we've never seen before on the earth. And that is a lamb with uh, seven horns and seven eyes in the horns. And that is the Lord. That's him. And he's standing in the midst of the, of the throne of God, in the midst of the elders. And he, he appears as the lamb in, in more than one, one occasion in Scripture. And so our Lord is able to take upon that form. The, Lord, the Bible talks about him being the lion of the tribe of Judah. I'm fully convinced that our Lord, when the scripture says he is the lion of the tribe of Judah, he can take on the form of a lion. And so you know, the, the resurrected body of our Lord Jesus can take on all of these forms depending on, on what it is that God is wanting to do in that moment. Our resurrected bodies will be able to take on different forms. You know, Satan, the Bible talks about, has the power to transform himself into an angel of light. And so an angel is able to transform his uh, um, appearance. And a fallen angel of that can change his appearance. How much more the sons of God would be able to transform their appearances. And so we will, our resurrected bodies will be able to take on different forms depending on where we i'm fully convinced that when the the scripture does not reveal to us what our lord jesus looks like as the high priest of melchizedek not well not of melchizedek after the order of melchizedek um we have types and shadows under the old covenant because we see aaron wearing the priestly garments and they're a type of, and a shadow of the the priestly garments that Melchizedek wears in heaven, which is our Lord Jesus. And so we've not yet seen our Lord Jesus as he is in the role of Melchizedek, the high priest of God. We haven't yet seen, for God has made us to be kings and priests unto God our Father. Our Lord Jesus has made us to be kings and priests. And so we will be taking on priestly roles when we come into uh, the glory of God on that day. And we, we don't know what it is that we will look like when we stand before the throne and we minister to God as priests of God. And so the, the resurrected bodies that we will receive are full of glory, full of power, uh, the, but will also be able to take on a natural type form like we see now. 
And that, I think, will be the, from what I can see in Scripture, is the most common form that our bodies will take. They will transform depending on, on, on what the occasion is. They, our bodies will transform into whatever uh, form the Lord has decreed for our resurrected bodies, as His body does transform um, when He comes back to the earth and as uh, John saw Him in His resurrected glorious body. Not as he saw him on that night when our Lord came into the room and had uh, a meal with them. And so that's looking at our Lord's resurrected body, who is the first fruits. And so we've had a look at now our Lord's death, burial, um, and what happened not only after his burial, but what transpired when he went down into the pit of hell and how he was raised from the dead. And we've had a look at uh, roughly at what our Lord's resurrected body is like today. Um, he is the first fruits. He has been the first to be raised from the dead. He's the first born from the dead. And we follow suit. We have been born again spiritually. We have still, we're still waiting for our resurrected bodies. That will transpire when our Lord returns to the earth. And so that will, that's the end of the, the series of teachings that I wanted to deal with with regards to um, Christ our Lord being the first fruits. We're now going to go into... Before the first resurrection takes place, well, there are two resurrections spoken about in Scripture, and we'll have a look at them. But before the resurrection takes place, there are certain key events that have to take place before uh, that event takes place. And so we've had a look at Christ the first fruits. We're now going to look at the key events over the next series of teachings, the key events that must take place uh, before we as the saints of God receive our resurrected bodies. And I'm going to end the teaching on that point tonight. Amen.